We talking rom-com, we talking action, we talking drama and movie classics. Whatever you want, yo, we have it. Cause we talking movies on a podcast. So I married a film critic. So I married a film critic. So I married a film critic. Hey honey, I just wanna so talk I about the movie like casually. Critic. You don't have to so bring up very cinematography. Honestly, let's just talk about like how the characters were fun. Married a film critic. So I married a film critic. So I Welcome to So I Married a Film Critic a discussion between a professional film critic and lecturer and me, his wife, who just likes to watch movies for fun. I'm your co-host, Julia. This is Barry the Film Critic. Hello, everyone. And tonight we're going to talk about The Fugitive from 1993. I came home, there was a man in my house. He had an artificial arm. Are you saying that I killed my wife? Are you saying that I crushed her skull and that I shot her. Listen up, we have a fugitive that's been on the run for 90 minutes. Average foot speed over uneven ground, barring injury, is four miles an hour. That will give you a radius of six miles. What I want out of each and every one of you is a hard target search of every gas station, residence, warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or doghouse in this area. Checkpoints will go up at 15 miles. Your fugitive's name is Dr. Richard Kimball. Go get him. Yes, based on the long-running TV show, which I never watched. It was before my time. Um, this is one of those deals where... It, this was before you saw a lot of, of classic TV shows being made into movies. As a kid, like, for example, they made a movie out of Dragnet, and it was a comedy. But And, you know, of course, Star Trek, the motion picture. But this was, this was something different because I'd never even heard of this show prior to this film. And then the movie came out, and I started to see a lot of old episodes. But uh, this film is special. It's uh, it's a summer movie, and it came out the same summer as Jurassic Park, and it was number two. It did that well, and it's the only time prior to Home Alone. It was the only time I've ever seen a movie. It opened up on number one, and the second week, it didn't drop. It went up, and I mean, this thing was just a monster. It was such a huge hit. People loved it. It was up for Best Picture, which is amazing to me. Because that just never happens where a film that like audiences love, people have, you know, unanimously say that was my favorite movie of the year. It was actually up for Best Picture, and deservedly so. Um, I'm a fan of this one. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of this one. Wow, I did not see it when it came out. I was only 13. I did go see Jurassic Park in the theater, though. Scared me so bad. Um, but I don't even remember when I saw The Fugitive. So Really? Yeah, I, I saw it opening weekend with my mom. Um one of the many films I saw with my mom. And I could recall some of the conversations we had while we watched the film. And we'll, we'll discuss that because uh, there are times when my mom and her really sweet... My mother is one of the sweetest, sweetest, most innocent women. And uh, at times, the movie gets really dark. <laughs> and my mom would try to shield me from that. So we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> okay, well, let's get into it. We're not going to go scene by scene. But um, definitely talk about like the major highlights. So oh, I want to do scene by scene. Okay, well. So, like, in blue letters, Harrison Ford, dun, 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 dun. Tommy Lee Jones, 
No, I nobody wants to hear that. The Fugitive. It's so cool. It looks just like it does in the trailer. It's so cool the way the opening credits. And these credits are long. Like, it's a long opening scene. Well, and it's and like, also his wife being murdered. It's horrifying. And it's CeeLo Ward. Like, man, CeeLo Ward is so gorgeous and so talented. It's like, it's so devastating seeing this happen. But I got to say, one of the things I love about the opening is, I mean, are you 100% sure that Richard Kimball is innocent? Because it doesn't look that way. In the opening scenes, we don't see it's the one-armed man until... Yeah, way later. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's later. Yeah, because the opening scenes, like, you're not getting a clear shot of it. Just that his poor wife is being pummeled. Um, and that's and that, and it's in black and white, and we're not sure who the assailant is. Yeah. I mean, it's horrifying. It's kind of like the opening of Shawshank, where there's a murder, and then we don't know. We don't know what really happened until later. Do you think the Shawshank Redemption is, like, the, what, the, ni- the early 20th century version of this movie? No. It's like the slower version of the fugitive. <laughs> the slower version. Oh my gosh. Okay. So we open up with that horrifying picture, but um Dr. Richard Kimball, he's a Chicago vascular surgeon, and he returns home to discover his wife Helen is has been fatally wounded. Um and killed. Yeah. Um, so despite his efforts. Um, well, there's a shot where I mean, what is it? it what it, what is he? He takes something. It, it looks like a like a cue ball, and fatally I, punctures her head. It it really I for a movie it's, that it's PG thirteen, yeah. and you know it's it's very tastefully done. You know, relatively so, I but it always bothers me. I think it's like something that's just like the decorative, you know, like a decorative tchotchke. For rich oh, people, like, we found this in a <laughs> found this in a Seven Eleven. We just had to have it. It's so kitschy. We just love it. No, they're they're they probably had someone because their apartment is super it's like nice. a little glass ball with like a little penguin smiling in yeah, it. Yeah, they probably paid someone to like design their apartment and like a decorator. A oh, decorator yeah. probably was like, "This is what you need. Look at this, is so chic." Man. And then it ended up being a the murder death weapon. of her. Uh, yes, I know. Dark. Be dark. careful when you have you know a designer decorator come to your house. <laughs> <laughs> careful what they put on your you know night table. Can we have something that uh, can't be used as a weapon in a <laughs> homicide, please? Exactly. Okay, so this beginning, you know, it gets it's a little muddled in my mind, but um, because there's like flashbacks. And yeah, it's a party. It's the party of before and but I mean, this movie takes off sprinting. Yeah, I love that. I mean, this movie is just like, no, like this is what it is. We don't need a lot of backstory. We'll learn who these characters are while they're literally on the run. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Dr. Richard Kimball, like they're at this party and then they're coming home and then he gets called to go back and do like an emergency surgery. And she's like, I'll wait up for you. So he goes and does surgery. He comes home, finds her dead. And then I think one of the most devastating scenes is when the cops are interviewing him. Yeah, I love this. Harrison Ford was not up for best actor for this at the Oscars. And like, why the heck not? He's devastating. The scene is so good. He is, it. oh, just like... You know, he's breaking down. It's it just, it's so real and tender. Like there's, there's no, you know, this is the guy who played Han Solo and in, in Indiana Jones and Ford is just playing this very real. We're seeing a guy who's like very intelligent and has so much in his life, but he has nothing in this moment and he's just crumbling. And I got to say like a detail <clears throat> that's always impressed me is how well he's able to describe what happened considering how traumatic it is because I'm watching it with you and I'm thinking, you know, if this was me. And, you know, the cops are like, Mr. Worst, what happened? Like, they, they, he, she was murdered right in front of me. And it, the guy, he had he had one arm. Was it the right arm or the left arm? Uh, <laughs> well. <laughs> uh, yeah, Dr. Richard Kimball knows exactly There was which a arm. mirror. So it left, uh, righty, t- <laughs> <laughs> you know what, officer, I'm, Guilty. Okay, I did it. I'm just going to sign the confession. I don't know. I don't know what arm it was. And Kimball's like, yeah, I'm a mechanical arm. It was like his left arm. Like, man, this guy. Yeah. He's he's keeping it together. But I mean, you know, he performs surgery. That's so like, true. you know, he's got nerves of steel. He's way like 
higher up on the intelligence scale than we are. So yeah. he, of course, would has like a photographic memory, I'm sure. Well, I mean, this opening, I mean, it's so like, it feels plausible. The questions they're asking him are not unreasonable. And the, I mean, it looks like he did it. So of course it's like man this is this is Kafka this is like just a worst case scenario it's it's horrifying um because but again it's like did he do it I don't know and by the I had to wonder watching it, it's like if he did it would I still be rooting for him yes cuz it's Harrison Ford always, I would still be rooting for yeah, him you always do that you well, root, you root for people even when they shouldn't be rooted for well it it's a movie i mean it's not like i was watching the oj trial like i so <laughs> I'm still going for you, Juice. Your Heisman Trophy winner. Don't let me down, Juice. Okay, so he gets he has to go to trial. Yes. And this is where we hear the 911 oh, call. Oh man, this scene hurts. Oh, yes. Of his wife and y- you know, you then you realize like she can barely dial first of all. And then she These sees These are her dying moments. Yeah, and then she sees him. Because they're like, who, who's, is the attacker still in your house? And she says, Richard. And I mean, we find out later that it's because she saw him and, you know, she, he came home right at that moment. But yeah, it's pretty devastating. So yeah, because the way, the way it looks, it's almost like, so who's in the house? Who's murdering you, ma'am? Richard? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh no. Yeah. No, I think at this moment we were cued in like, okay, like. Clearly, it's it's a terrible coincidence, but man, like, Celia Ward, good dyer, good dyer. She yeah. dies really well. In this but film. like, you know what? How rude of her to like say his name on a nine one one call. <laughs> she loves her husband. She's she's reaching out for him. I you know? know. But like, she she wasn't thinking like this call is going to be used in my like murder investigation. You know, in my case, I would probably say my dog's name, and they'd be like, <laughs> Charlotte. <laughs> like I knew that bitch would do that to him. <laughs> Man, we saw that coming. We got so much evidence. This was premeditated for like 12 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's had it in for us for a long time. Oh, yeah, man. It's only a matter of time. <laughs> okay, so he's sentenced to the death penalty. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't get any worse than that. So, well, it's lethal injection, right? Isn't that what the judge says? I guess so, I yeah. think it's lethal injection, yeah. It's yeah. Like, wow. So you know he's uh, he's on a prison. It's not like there's no like no no doubt. It's like uh, we're going to you will be executed in the most painful inhumane way possible. Case is missed. You think lethal injection is the most painful inhumane way? No way. You crap your pants. No, I think like electrocuted electric chair. That's the most inhumane way. That's cool. What? You get an injection and you crap your pants. <laughs> No, that's like, embarrassing. You get an injection and you like fall asleep. You know, like, you you're pants. in the electric chair and it's like and you sort you know, the yourself. green mile like nonsense. You know, where your like body <laughs> explodes. <laughs> that's way worse. Green mile nonsense. <laughs> Hi, can I choose uh, the green mile nonsense, please? I don't really, I don't really care for needles. <laughs> okay, so. Um, Harrison Ford is on the prison transfer, and it's like this, it's, <laughs> this yeah. buzz with all these real killers. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like, these dudes have, like, planned an escape, and he has no idea what's going on. Like, that, a guy, one of the prisoners takes, like, pills that makes him foam at the mouth, and yeah. he's like, he's dying. Like, I mean, okay, if you were, do you think you'd fall for this if you were, like... A prison guard. Well, remember who one of the prison guards is? It's Mr. Jump to Conclusions <laughs> guy. The Jump to Conclusions Matt guy from Office Space with his big, you know, walrus mustache. I love this character actor, by the way. Yeah, but if you... But I wonder if, like, oh, it's Tony. We're totally pulling the foaming thing on Tony when he's watching this tonight. Yeah, Tony's an idiot. Tony's so dumb. He's totally going to fall for this. Okay, but would you... Do you think you'd fall for it? I think if it was me, I'd be like, ugh. Okay, I've seen so many movies. I know, I know they're trying to pull one over on me. But what if it's real and I don't do anything? I'm gonna be back there with them in yeah, handcuffs. But, but, but do people in movies see a lot of movies? Yeah, you don't think like prisoners are watching movies? I, for example, I don't think Sam Gerard has seen that many movies. I mean, that's why he's. But we'll get to him. Right. But no, no, I, I honestly, I, you don't think people in movies watch movies? Not as much as we do. Oh. 
Wow. I'm sure the prison guard, I mean, for one thing, this is 93, so Green Mile and Shawshank hasn't even come okay. out yet. You know that those prison guards are sitting like the midnight to like 6 a.m. shift. And you know what they're watching? watching. Sally Jesse Raphael. <laughs> watching movies. They're watching Madame Cleo, <laughs> Sally Jesse Raphael, Morton Downey Jr. They're watching crap. They're not like they, they probably don't have a video cassette player in their in their on their job. They're just like like oh time think, for some VH1. I think you're wrong. I think they're I think they're watching lots of lots of things. Okay, so um, they go back there it's to try and movie. like save this fake death guy, and shots are fired. There's a big crash, and what do you know? They spectacular bus crash. The bus crashes on a train track. Yeah, and then it's the great. train comes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like could not get any worse. Oh man, the moment the moment where Harrison Ford is like stuck in the window is like. I'm like, oh man, that's how I'm gonna die one day. The most embarrassing. Stuck in the window? Yeah, when he's like, trying to get out of the window of the, he's like, he can't quite do oh. it, and the train's coming. Like, doggone it! I've always had fears of like dying in a stupid way like that, but no, <laughs> at the last possible second, he, he gets, gets out of there and he jumps off right as the train just explodes behind him. It's it's a the great hero shot. jump. Oh, it's great. Yeah. And he even looks dignified doing that stupid little walk, you know, because he's got his his legs shackled together. He does like this penguin walk. He looks mm-hmm. so, he, but he doesn't look silly because it's Harrison Ford. But he finds another prisoner, um, a guy named Copeland, and he somehow has the keys and like lets him go, you know, like gets his shackles off. Kind of amazing. He was able to hold onto the keys despite uh, the fact that they just just survived a train seriously? crash. Seriously, yeah, and, a train, a train, and a bus crash. He's yeah. kind of like, I don't care which way you go, just don't follow me. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, you know, I can respect that. Like, all these guys, they got to go their own way. Try to make it. Yeah. Can't be following another guy. This is not a buddy movie. Yeah, exactly. All right. So now this is where uh, the U.S. Marshals come in. And you know what? I just had to look up, like, what is a U.S. Marshal? Basically, fed cops. Federal cops. So now that, like, because all these prisoners are, like going to federal penitentiaries and being like, you know, given the death penalty. So Mm -hmm. now they're bringing in the U.S. Marshals to like take care of business. I'm glad you looked it up because if you had asked me, I would have said, uh, you mean like Lieutenant Sam Gerard in The Fugitive? That's like... (laughs) That's the only U.S. Marshal I know. (laughs) U.S. Marshal I have a reference for. But you know, I'm kind of glad I don't know the difference between a police officer and a U.S. Marshal. Yeah. I've never had to, you know, deal with... Yeah, me too. Yeah. Okay, so we have Tommy Lee Jones and his team coming in to save the day because, like, you know, the local police are just in over their head and they need help. And so he's got, like, a pretty good team of guys and one gal. They're kind of like a like a bunch of college dorm buddies. They've been through a lot, but they, you get a sense that they probably party pretty hard. <laughs> That's what that's the sense you got. That's what I got. Like these guys are homies. They have like that weekend and Puerto Vallarta. Yeah, these guys are like they you know, they're all about the law, but clearly they, they know how to get down. Yeah. They're like, Oh man, we got another case. All they're right. making jokes about the big dog. Like, yeah, these guys they got nicknames for each other because of all the lascivious, crazy stuff they did in the weekend. Yeah. Okay, here's the craziest part. So I I didn't know how old Tommy Lee Jones was in this film, and he's like in his mid forties. Yeah, Tommy Lee Jones looks like he's in his fifties or sixties, like in every movie I've ever seen him in. <laughs> I don't know; he just always looks like old to me. But like Harrison Ford is older than him. Mm, I wouldn't have imagined that. Yeah, I would have thought it'd be reversed. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So. Tommy Lee Jones is the man. No, I mean he was you know a respected actor. He had done a lot of stuff, but. You know, never quite an above the name, you know, above the title kind of guy. JFK changed that. He was an Oscar nominee for JFK in 91. And this was, I mean, you know, this film not only was his name above the title, but of course he won the Academy Award for this film, which is amazing. Um, and uh, we'll talk about that because the scene, the fame, his most famous scene in the movie, I don't think is very impressive. He has a scene later in the film. I'm like, yes, 
Here's why he won the Academy Award. It's not for his most iconic line in the movie, which is pretty hilarious because when the Oscars were, I remember it very well because it was like, you know, you know how it is. It used to be, I don't know if the Oscars still does this, but like they'll show the actor sitting in the, their chair and it's like, it was like Ray Fine, Schindler's List. And they show a scene of, you know, Ray Fine's like beating up Jews in Schindler's List. And then they cut back to Ray Fine's applause. And it was like, John Malkovich in the line of fire. And they show John Malkovich like putting the gun in his mouth, that horrifying scene that cut back to him. And it's like, Time Lee Jones and the Fugitive. I don't care. And that's it. Oh. And it's like, oh, jeez, what a terrible clip. And then he wins the Oscars. Like, oh, God, for that? For that scene? No, but <laughs> you know, it's like, that's so embarrassing. Because, like, that doesn't, it's, it's an iconic line, yes, but it doesn't define who this guy is. No, there's a scene later where he says, I don't bargain. That scene is killer. And that's who this guy is. And that's why Jones deserved to win the Oscar. Not for... Not for, you know, the line in the trailer that, you know, everybody quotes, but it's, it's you know, there's a lot more to this character. I thought they were, you were going to say they showed like, yeah, I want you to search every doghouse, outhouse, you know, that whole thing. I love that line. I mean, it's, it's, it's a classic line, although I wonder if it was much longer. I wonder if they're like, okay, we're going to cut, okay, we're going to cut Roadhouse and Whorehouse, Barbie's <laughs> Dream House. It's just too much of this. This is, okay, this is a little less over the top now, Tommy. Here you go. Here you go. <laughs> I want to see Dr. Richard Kibble being like, Barbie's dream house? This is where I'm hiding. <laughs> They'll never look here. I want a montage of them like, you know, like, excuse me, do you have a dog back there? Get out of the house! Get out of the house! Get out of the house! Surgeon! <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, hey, you said to check every dog house. That's what I've been doing. These guys are in, like, the thing is about... Gerard and the way Jones is playing, I never think he's kidding about anything because at times he's like, okay, Cosmo, I want you to find his dental records. I want you to find the name of the girl that he took to the prom. I want you to go and find everything you, I want to, I want yearbooks. I want everything you can find on this guy. And it's like, I, I don't think he's kidding. No. Which is why it must be hell working for this dude. That's why he has like six people on his team. Is there a scene where like Cosmo's like, hello? Hello, Mrs. Finkelstein? Yes. Would you Richard Kimball's fourth grade teacher? Oh, yes. Come inside. Would you like a Werther's original? Oh, thank you, ma'am. I'd love one. Do you remember Richard Kimball as a fourth grade student? Oh, he was delightful. Although there was something. What is it, Mrs. Finkelstein? Well, sometimes he would run away in the playground. You could say he was kind of like a, a fugitive. Oh, this is fascinating. Anything else you could tell us? You know, there's something else. He did a school play once where he played a young man who... Killed his wife. Oh, Mrs. Finkelstein, this is this is amazing. Thank you so much. Do you happen to have any uh, any drawings, any pictures? I have them right here. I always knew one day that little <laughs> that little Ricky Kimball would get into some kind of trouble. Oh my gosh! She I just... told you we didn't need to go over them, Cosmo. I told you we got to ask everybody. In house, out house, dog house, librarians, everybody. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like he's, I mean, like he keeps that makes saying the movie this. Is like four hours long. <laughs> I'll bet this movie was the original cut was long because there's so many scenes. Mm -hmm. There's a scene where where Richard Kimball is on the roof of a house and there's like satellite dishes everywhere. It has nothing to do with anything. And I'm like, I wonder, like, was, was this a part of a longer scene? And what and one of the things I love about that is, you know, this is based on a series. Watching this movie feels like binge-watching a great series, don't you think? Like, I feel like I'm watching... I don't know. I didn't even know this was a series. Okay, but I mean, to me, it feels like, uh, you know, if... I, I don't want to do this, obviously, but like, if you could whittle Breaking Bad down to two and a half hours, like, this is, this is like a really amazing long-form storytelling that's like whittled down to like an hour and change. Hmm. It moves really fast, but there's so much stuff that happens. Yeah. So anyway, so the good doctor is on the run. Yeah, he's on the run and he makes his way to a hospital. He's got a wound on his side, you know. And it's like, well, of course, he's a doctor. So he like finds antibiotics. He like gives himself a shot. He sews himself up. He And then a detail shaves. that horrifies me. He stole the breakfast of one of his patients. He makes an egg salad sandwich right there. Okay, that guy had like a neck brace on. That guy wasn't eating anything. <laughs> There's I no want. Way. I want to know. Like, I'm sure there's like another hour of his story. Like, I what, stop bringing me extra food. I, I I just want my egg and my and, and my toast. And <laughs> they keep bringing me like, oh, someone's hungry today. No, no, I'm not. My food just keeps disappearing. <laughs> Richard comes back every morning. He steals <laughs> his breakfast. 
<laughs> becomes part of his mo. Oh, so he like steals an ambulance, which <laughs> not the smartest I idea. I mean, yeah. If I was trying to be like undercover, I would not be stealing an ambulance. But there's an ambulance chase. What would you steal? What would I steal? Yeah. I, you know, I probably I'd get on a bus. Mm. Just get on some public transportation. Hide amongst the, the the people. But then they 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 spot you. You're stuck. Oh, then you pull the little wire, and then you're just like, "Oh, this is my stuff." <laughs> <laughs> you really thought this through. <laughs> yeah, I I mean I don't know. I don't know what I would do. Hopefully, I would never be on the run for your murder. So. I think. <laughs> You heard it here. This has become one of those murder podcasts now. I can see you on like a little pink scooter, like they'll never find me. Trying to go up the volcano. Going like 25 miles an hour. They'll never catch me. Okay, so he ends up like it's a full-on chase with like cop cars and helicopters, and he um goes into a tunnel. Yeah. And they're like, haha, we trapped him. And he ends up escaping through like, you know, a drain pipe. And for a while, they're just like, dude, where did he go? How yeah. did how did he disappear? Of course, no match for, you know, Gerard. He's gonna he's gonna find him. So then there's that aqueduct chase scene, which is pretty cool. Where they're like running through the, the tunnels. Yeah. And this is where um, you know, they come to the end of one and Richard's like, I didn't kill my wife. And he's like, I don't care. And the Oscar goes to Tommy Lee Jones for The Fugitive. (laughs) But I always thought, like, that is such a rude thing to say. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, screw you. I don't want to hear your story. I'm here to arrest you. No, I get it. They've been following this guy all day. I know. He apparently bludgeoned his wife to death. And he's leading him on this goose chase. I mean, it probably smells like urine and who knows what else down there. No, that's like clean water. That's like going into like someone's drinking water. Oh, actually, it sounds kind of nice. Never mind. Okay, because then uh, Richard jumps off. It would- smells like Perrier down okay. here. Would you jump or would you just like let yourself oh, get definitely arrested? Definitely jump. No, I'm not letting myself get arrested. You no, jump I'd- off that Oh, thing? absolutely. Yeah. It's like, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go with a smile. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean. By the way, I don't know how they did this. I don't, I, I, watching it with you, I'm like, is it a dummy? Is it a stunt? I don't know. I don't know, know that I even want to know, but, um. Because it's not digital, right? No, I mean, this, you know, this is a point where they had digital effects. They were used for dinosaurs. It wasn't for like this. Mm. This is amazing. I don't know how they did it, but, oh, it always takes my breath away seeing this. But yeah. yes, I absolutely would have jumped. Uh, there's no, other. Oh, okay, you win. <laughs> you don't care. So I guess I'm going to give up now. I'm gonna get the the shot now. Okay, so um, while the cops are dragging the river, Richard's escaping and he's like hiding, you know, in the trees. And he ends up sleeping under a pile of leaves. I mean, he's very smart because um, they got dogs out there looking for him. I mean, and it's it's a great moment too because you know for a movie that's just constantly in you know for momentum. There's that moment yeah he wakes up because he's dreaming of his wife, of course, and so it's a way to you know have another flashback, but. You know, he wakes up and is like, he's completely alone mm-hmm. in the world. Nobody knows where he and is. And he has like no money, no Nothing. food. It's like, this is probably, this might be the most alone he's ever felt in his life. And that's always like, oh man, like it sucks to be this guy at this moment. Hey, at least he wasn't like, <clears throat> I have a credit card. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Not only that, by the way, Harrison Ford has almost no dialogue in this movie. You notice that? Like mm-hmm. he's got nothing. I mean, the confession scene in the beginning, that's it. If there were reams of dialogue originally in the screenplay, I mean, they, they pulled it. And I think it's very effective. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have no dialogue. It's, it's not a lot. It's not a lot. It's really not a lot. Yeah. So, all right. He he ends up in a... He must have some cash on him because he, he gets some hair dye. He dyes his hair. He um, He's just walking along, like, the side of the road and just some, like, random woman is like, you need a ride? Like... Is that too? That's a whole other movie that's right like there. like that realistic. It's like American Gigolo right there. <laughs> Does he cut his hair that good? Or do you think he like, you know, I'm going to go to the supercuts. What do you think? No, I no, I don't even think he cuts his hair. I think he just dyes it and shaves the beard. It's, it's I mean, it's a really good haircut. He looks great. 
if I was on the run, that is the hair I want. I mean, it's stylish. You don't want that hair just like right now? That, <laughs> no, I want to. I want to look stylish if I'm on the run from from U.S. Marshals. Yeah, no, like it, it always bothers me too. It's like, do dye jobs turn out that well? I've never dyed my hair black, but like it looks really cool. I don't know. I mean, the black, you know, the green jacket. The only, anyway, I know when okay. I'm on the run from the from the law, I know what I'm. The what I'm only do. time I've like actually dyed my hair, it has always turned out like strawberry blonde, like not the color that I've wanted it to be. So that was the experience I had. The I one time no my hair was dyed, I was in a high school production of The Sound of Music, and I was playing Ralph, who's the the Nazi love interest. Weird to say, and one of the nuns said like, "Oh, oh I because you know I needed to be blonde hair, blue eyed Nazi boy." So one of the nuns who was in the cast, not a real nun, she's like, oh, you know, I'll dye your hair. I know how to do it. She never dyed her hair before. So I looked like Conan O'Brien. It was orange. <laughs> yeah. It was that way all summer long. So it was like the most jovial looking Nazi you ever saw. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, on that note, so now um, we see just some scenes where Copeland gets caught and... You know, they shoot him and there's a whole like situation with that. That's a great scene. And mm-hmm. like that's I think my favorite scene with Tim Lee Jones. And I look at this scene and it's like this is this is fantastic. This says everything about the character. It's it's uh it's a really tense scene. There's no music. You just really hear you hear Copeland's girlfriend, whoever she is, screaming while they're trying to get a hand of the situation and yeah, Gerard shoots Copeland. And his partner is horrified, you know, that... Well, because he he basically had one of his guys, like, he was holding on to one of right. his guys. Yeah. And he could have shot one of the marshals. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when he sees him outside, and he's like, let me tell you something, I do not bargain. Like, oh, that's great. Because he's like... That says so much about this character. I lost my hearing. And yeah. Gerard's like, well, I guess it's better than being dead, you know? Whoever that, but... whoever Gerard's mentor was was probably a pretty tough mamma jamma. <laughs> whoever he was, tough. I'm like, like seriously, if they had a cameo, like Clint Eastwood, like I taught him everything I know. Be like, yep, that checks out. <laughs> it's like Dirty Harry Callahan, like him or like Sam Elliott. Oh yeah, exa- you know, I taught him everything I know. Yeah, <laughs> on the ranch. Yeah, no, that's yeah. That, seriously, that's. That's the kind of guy this is. Like, if he's if, before he was a U.S. Marshal, he was probably a ranch hand or, you know, who knows, rodeo king. I don't he's know. Probably in the military. Yeah, yeah, that checks out too. Yeah. So we see um, Tommy Lee Jones going through Richard's file again, trying to figure out why he <clears throat> killed his wife. And so I think deep down he kind of does care because he's thinking he's probably like, what is this guy on the run for? You know. Yeah, well, as I mentioned, I mean, he keeps making weird mistakes. He clearly has been to a hospital. He's been doing stuff that you know someone who is on the lam normally would never do. He's he's not he's not following the mo of of the typical. Yeah, because he goes back to Chicago to the and they figure it out based on like a phone call yeah. that they've 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 wiretapped everything. Yeah. Um, and so. You you made the point that he's just hiding in plain sight. Yes. Yeah, which is very smart. Yeah. He he even gets a room. Like he like rents a room. Well, this scene never works for me. If, if anything, the thing that keeps this movie like less than five stars for me is this scene because <laughs> is the one, this couple he... is so sketchy. No, it's a mom and her son. Uh, yeah, the mom and her son. And by the way, we need subtitles for this because they're <laughs> talking to each other. Well, they're not like, they're like immigrants. Do you think he knows about the bodies in the basement? No, he does not know, mother. (laughs) Do you think he knows that we're going to eat him? No, he does not know about that either. Do you think he knows that we're going to kill him while he's asleep? No, he does not. Oh, he asked a question. So what do you think of the room? I'll take it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. These, These guys are so like. Such creepy people. Well, yeah. Well, we do find out, like, the, he's the, a doctor. The son is like a pedophile and, like, gets caught. Well, like, that was a moment. I remember, like, asking my mom, because it's like, like, you like to string up little girls, huh? I remember asking my mom, like, what's that mean, mom? Barry, it's, um, you know, sometimes when you play Cat's Cradle and you <laughs> use too much string. Oh, okay. Thanks, mom. You know, I was really worried there for a second. That sounded like something really bad. <laughs> she did not. It's like, dude, this movie just got really dark for a second. Yeah, yeah, really dark. It's like, all we had to do is like, you know, illegal hubcaps or, you know, he's been whatever. No, they had to make him like super bad. (laughs) Yeah, like this is the most disgusting person in the world. And 
Richard Kimball was like, that seemed like a nice couple to me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so he, um, Richard goes back to the hospital and heads to the prosthetics department. And, I mean, he has a whole thing where he's creating an ID. He pretends to be you know, a janitor. He's doing research. Um, he. It's great. And look, I mean, if you've ever, and I've certainly spent time in a crowded hospital, when it's that chaotic and there's that many people in the hallway, you don't notice who everybody is. That's you don't. True. It's easy to blend in, especially in this time before. Like we're we're not at that point in our history where there's just mega surveillance. I mean, that's true. Yeah, you could. It makes complete sense to me that it's like okay, no, nobody's paying attention no, to the like, janitor. There's no eyeball scanners yet, and like yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your phone's not getting pinged off of every cell yeah, it's phone not tower. Yeah, like, it's not minority report yet. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So um, I love the scene where he's in the hospital and we meet um, that other doctor where she's like... Well, Julianne Moore. Yeah. Wonderful Julianne. I love her in this. This was a big year for her. She was in Shortcuts this same year. And what else was she in? She did a bunch of films in 93 that she really stood out in, but... Uh, yeah, I think this is the first. I think this is the first thing I ever saw her in. Come to think of it, where I'm like, I remembered her because she's also in the Hand that Rocks the Cradle, mm-hmm. and she's in one of the greatest movies ever made, Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. But this was, I think, for a lot of people, like, oh yeah, like she was, she really stood out because she humanized that character. And by the way, what a great doctor! She's totally doing her job, checking up on this patient. It's like, yeah, that weird guy was like looking at this kid's X-rays, took the kid out of my sight, and now the kid ended up like, you know. Uh, in surgery yeah getting getting treatment based on saved his life yeah based on what this weird guy with a bad dye job uh you know apparently the janitor the janitor (laughs) bob the janitor yeah (laughs) yeah no i love it when you know because the kid can't breathe and he's like he's supposed to take him to observation and he's talking to him and he's looking at the films and, and yeah. he ends up taking him to surgery and saves his life. But it's, it's a like, terrific touch. It's like, like, you know, this guy's he, humanity is intact. If you didn't like run. him, if you didn't like him before, yeah. you definitely love him now. Yeah. Like this is, this is a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, his cover does get blown because, you know, she calls security. <laughs> yeah. You kind of hate her at this moment. <laughs> like, Doggone it. Julianne Moore. Yeah. Like, can you it. just, like, let him just just hang out? So. Like, hey, only I'm allowed to save people around here, jerk face. Arrest <laughs> him. Um, but, like, so Kimball is, he he basically has printed out, like, everybody who has, like, this particular kind of, like, mechanical yeah. elbow arm. Yeah, and he figures out that it's a very specific type because he had it and he actually pulled it off the guy. It's like, how did he remember that? Like, I mean, in his... well, you, well, you know what? I mean, look, when a bad moment happens to us, of course, we remember every detail about it. Do I we? Mean, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Know. No, I've had bad. I mean, like car accidents, things in my life that were scary. I remember the tangible details. I do. So no, I, I, I think it makes sense. Again, if for me, I'd be like, was the left arm? Yeah. Eeny, meeny, miny. <laughs> okay, so yeah, like he finds like twenty five candidates. I'd be like. 25,000 in Chicago. All right. So I'll call all these guys. <laughs> this is going to take me 10 years. Are you the one-armed man? No? Okay, cool. Okay, so uh, I guess Gerard suspects that Kimball is searching for the one-armed man and spots him at Chicago City Hall because he ends up being like, oh, no, one of these guys is in jail. And he's like, I got to go to this jail, talk to him, oh, and just man. like make sure it's not... This scene is so heartbreaking when that inmate comes out and clearly he's seen some stuff and had a bad day in the showers and, you know, (laughs) just a poor guy. He's probably like in his, what, his 40th year of being inside. He's like, I I got nothing but time, man. What what do you want to talk about? Kimball's like, sorry, you're not the guy. Uh, No, no. He's like, you got me out here. What do you want to talk about? Do you know any jokes? (laughs) Anything, man. Please, they're going to kill me back there. Please. He's like, sorry, man, I got to go. Knock, knock. Who's there? Boo. Boo who? Don't cry. It's just a joke. I'm going to leave now. <laughs> that was a joke B told me today. <laughs> I taught her that joke. I know. Yay. Uh, Full circle. So um, then Gerard like spots him. And it's actually kind of great because <laughs> they're both on like separate staircases. Right. And then, you know, Richard like takes off and... 
then he's like, lock the doors, lock the doors. And Richard like makes it out right before the doors close. This is one of the most exciting mm-hmm. scenes in the movie. I mean, I just remember there's certain scenes in certain movies where I don't like to watch them uh, with other people. I like to be alone because I tend to jump what? up and down like a kid. <laughs> Look, there's the scene in Hunt for Red October where a movie becomes a gunfight in the sub there's the scene in Aliens where Ripley takes control of the situation and the guy goes, Ripley! And she takes a tank and starts driving over the aliens. There's certain scenes in movies that I get so excited. And that's this scene where where Gerard takes his gun and he's just emptying this his like gun. This is new information. I didn't know this about it's you. It's so freaking exciting. <laughs> and like, and Kimball's stumbling over this door, which he doesn't even know is bulletproof. Yeah. Um, it's so exciting. Oh my God. I love this scene so much because it's like, man, he came really close to eating it more than more even more than the train yeah i mean he like jumped off an aquifer and made it and now you know it's supposed to be gunned down in the lobby by the way why why do they need bulletproof doors i don't know it's like it's a federal building but it's the exit i don't know i don't get that anyway who cares it's awesome i love case like some like crazed person is like let my husband out of jail (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I don't know, but he ends up escaping. Yes, he does. In um, in a St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day! Take a hat and blend in. <laughs> like, yes, that is awesome. Yeah, and George's like, damn it, there's Irish people everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. So, um, he's wearing a green coat. It's like he was ready for this moment. It's like, oh yeah, man. Yeah, I'm with my people now. Yeah, yeah. So later on, um. Richard breaks into the home of another suspect on the list, Frederick Sykes. <laughs> yeah. And this is where he discovers a photo that in his mind confirms that Sykes is the killer. Yeah. Cause he, and he finds the arm in a drawer. Yeah. I love this. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, so he calls. Oh, this scene. He calls Gerard and he so basically much. like tells him everything and then leaves the phone well, I, off the hook what so he that, says is so awesome because gerard at this point is sick of these richard kimball prank calls you know and so he gets handed the phone he's like oh who's this he's like remember something you said to me when we were alone in the tunnel gallery he's like yeah. Trace it, trace yeah, it. it's awesome and then you know he says you know you um, said you didn't care you said you didn't care and then he's like you know well yeah i'm trying to solve a puzzle and i just found a big piece and he slams the phone down he doesn't hang it up he's like, oh. well, he wants them to tra- trace oh, it no, it's it's so badass i love that moment it's fantastic and then they're like oh we have a cop car right out front of this guy's house so like they were right there and they couldn't and they still couldn't catch him yeah yeah. It's it's wonderful. He's just like the every man. And then we meet the one armed man, and he's played by I believe I, I think he's no longer with us. I should look that up before. I've done that before, where I pronounce actors dead on the show, <laughs> and they weren't actually dead. I don't think Andreas Katsoulis is with us. Let me look it up really quick. Uh, I like this actor a lot. He was in Communion. Yeah, he's he's no longer with us. He was in Communion uh, with with uh, <laughs> with Christopher Walken. He's one of the guys who get because abducted by aliens. Um, he's wonderful in this because. <laughs> Because he's kind of a, has a creepy look. Well, well, what what's great is he walks. You know, he enters the movie, and we're actually getting a good look at him now. And other than the hair, it's like this is clearly the guy. He's very imposing, very tall, uh, lanky, creepy, kind of like Lurch in the Adams family. And what I love about him is that he's such an a hole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's such a jerk to these cops. I love it. He has like this real sense of privilege. It's like you guys can't touch me. Yeah, I, I, I love this scene because they don't like him either. And, uh, um, you know, and he's, he's, you know, he just has a real flipping way, even talking about why he has an arm. It's like he won't he won't answer their questions. So the character is like there's a mystery to this character. He doesn't have a backstory. He doesn't have like this motivation. He's a guy for hire. And he manages to like, despite the fact that he looks the way he does, he lives in privilege and protection. Well, so he's actually a former cop who mm-hmm. now works security for a pharmaceutical company called Devlin McGregor. And we find out that they're releasing this new drug called Provasic. So Kimball had researched and investigated the drug, found out that it caused liver damage, and was like sending the reports about this drug. And his reports were being changed so that this drug could get FDA approval. Mm-hmm. And so it's like... 
Oh man. It's like it's a pharmaceutical like <laughs> Every time I watch this movie, I, that that storyline like creeps up on me. I never remember that it's like oh, there was a drug and it caused liver damage and then they're trying to like hide it from the FDA. Like that part I never I never remember. I think there there's a real missed opportunity here. We needed to see they needed to take this further. I think we needed a Provasic TV commercial. Where it's like a couple in bed, and she's like, "Oh, honey," it's like, "I'm sorry." Hey, who's that in our bedroom? Hey, hi, I'm Jeff Daniels. You know, erectile dysfunction is one of the killers in America, but thankfully, this problem has a solution. That's right. I'm talking about Provasic. Take one little Provasic pill, and it's a one-way train to Bonerville. <laughs> Provasic. Ding. No, that's not even what the joke is. <laughs> that's what I wanted to be for because you know I don't know like I, I mean wouldn't that make it even more valuable in the public side forget about liver damage <laughs> what's the oh name of the, what's the gosh. name of the blue pill oh, I can't think of it right now yeah what's it called the blue pill the the erectile dysfunction pill <laughs> you know the guys are like popping like chiclets from a pez what's it called yeah I, I can't think of it at the why moment. can't I think of it I mean I'm proud that I don't know the name of it but it'll come to us Oh, well, punchline out of reach. Let's uh, continue. Okay. So um, so there's another doctor, Dr. Nichols, that... Played by Jerome Crabby. Yeah, yeah. great actor. So yeah. Richard actually, like, reaches out to him a couple times. He give, like he gives him money. He kind of, like, helps him. So we, we don't really know this doctor, but he ends up being a bad guy. <laughs> Spoiler! Yeah. yeah. He, yeah. So... Campbell figures out that Dr. Nichols is a board member of this um, pharmaceutical company. He covered up the dangerous side effects of Provasic to get it approved and ordered Sykes to kill him in a staged burglary that went wrong, resulting in Helen's death. So that's the whole thing. Yeah. And what happened, this was another piece that I, I completely forgot about, was that he's the one who called Richard back to go to surgery. Right. Sykes steals Richard's car, uses it to get into the house, which mm-hmm. is why there was like no forced entry, blah, 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 which they used as evidence that Richard had killed Helen. So this is a very well written story. Yeah. I gotta say, because it is complicated, but you know, a good murder, so I've heard, is complicated. <laughs> so this is very well done. Not that I know anything about it. Wink, wink. (laughs) So, okay. Nichols also had Sykes kill like another doctor who had discovered the drug's risks. Okay, so Kimball calls Gerard with the new information. And then they're kind of doing like parallel investigations. Because now I think Gerard is like, all right, I think Richard's on to something. Like, I got to look into this. Mm -hmm. So Kimball goes to a hotel conference where... Dr. Nichols is presenting Provasic, but on his way there, he's attacked by Sykes on a train. And yeah, that's a, that. that's quite the scene. Yeah. I like that scene. Because um, the movie doesn't make it the big end-all, be-all fight, and you kind of want it to be, because this is the man who killed his wife. Instead, again, it's just like, it becomes not only physical one-upmanship, but it's also like, you're going to jail. <laughs> no, I think Sykes ends up like getting the death penalty. Hmm. At the end, because I think that they eventually, we don't see it, but I think they eventually prove that, you know, Richard didn't do it and that Sykes did it with Nichols and then they end up getting, you know. Wow. I think that's what happens, Hmm. which is like poetic justice. Or, you know, there's just like a subway train that's just still out there with him handcuffed to it. It's just like it never stops. <laughs> like, you are doomed to just like You're going to be on the A the train subway. for the rest of your yeah. life. He's like that ghost from Ghost. <laughs> that's, that's the ghost backstory. Yeah. He's the angry subway ghost. Yeah. He's angry Get ghost. off my train! Yeah, exactly. He ends up just like... Teaches Patrick Swayze how to be a ghost. Yeah. He ends up dying because he's handcuffed to the train, and then he ends up in the movie Ghost. He even looks a little bit like Vincent Chiavelli. Yeah, that's, that checks out. There you well, go. There you See, go. Well done. everything's connected. Wow. <laughs> the movie-verse. The movie-verse. Um, okay, so Kimball handcuffs him to the pole, 
And then and smacks his head against it because yeah yeah he goes Take back that, to the ho- he goes jerk. to the hotel confronts and Diggles at the conference in front of everybody which I yeah. love it's great which do you think I mean that's something you always say like movies do that would never happen in real life do you think he would have done this in real life yeah yeah because when movies do it in real life I mean when movies do this scene it's always like and I love you from the first time I saw you and I didn't tell you that day because. Because, well, you were about to get married, and I just, I couldn't. And then, like, Ain't No Mountain High Enough starts to play. It's like, oh, my God, kill me now. But, no, this this checks out because the reaction shots of the doctors, they're sitting there going, oh, yeah, we get it. Like, two and two go together. We've always liked Kimball. We've never liked this dick up here. We've always liked Kimball. So, clearly, like, he, you know, he's like, he's making a case. He's basically, like, he's, he's, he's making his courtroom case that he didn't have. He didn't have his day in court. And his colleagues are like, oh, yeah, we've always liked him. This checks out. That's why, I mean, notice that he is constantly going to former colleagues and they're not like, oh, I'm calling the cops. They're like, hey, Richard Gimble, can we help you solve that murder? Yeah, we'll help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kate Lynch is like, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a Jane hug. Lynch. Excuse I'm sorry. Yeah, Jane Lynch. Yeah, she's like, let me give you a hug. Let me let you use my microscope, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, <laughs> let me let you use my microscope. Yeah, like, you know, hey, put your fingerprints all over it. I don't care. I love you, man. <laughs> Team Kimball. Okay, they all so, have like little matching shirts. <laughs> okay, so Kimball and Nichols, like, they leave the conference room and they <laughs> It's great. They they leave very like very like respectfully and then he takes like a sledgehammer and smacks him in the back. Well they end up going on <clears throat> to like the roof and now we got yeah, like Yeah, they very carefully they very daintily walk out, then it's like punch time. Yeah. Yeah. But Gerard like saves Kimball's life because they're gonna like take some sniper's going to take him out. And he's like, don't shoot him. Yeah. Although Kimball, well, not Kimball, uh, uh, Nichols at one point uses like a pulley and he like pushes it and it knocks one of the U.S. Marshals clean out. Um, Remember that moment? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's always bothered me because it's like, when you hear that coming, it's like, like, boom. Niagara. That's what it is. Thank you for clarifying. So yeah, so what I'm trying to say, listeners, is that I think Povasic, it's like a precursor for Viagra, and I think that would have been made it even more. Like obviously, this this is like the wonder drug. So clearly, we're going to kill anybody who gets in the way of our like, our Viagra. Who cares if your liver's not working? I mean, it's fine. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, Gerard stops the police helicopter from sniping Kimball. Nichols regains consciousness and tries to escape through a laundry room, but Kimball follows him. And then this is kind of where we find out, like, Gerard, like, yells out to Kimball, like, I know what happened. Like, this, you're right, like, we... We figured it out. Yeah, it's we, very... I, we know you didn't murder your wife. Yeah, yeah, and it's cool. Uh, yeah. I love that it's... The reaction shot of Harrison Ford where it's like, finally. Finally. finally like, you believe me. I stop. Me. It's like, I can stop running now. Yeah. 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 So, um, Kimball, they, they, did they get rid of Sykes and Nichols? They're arrested. And then Kimball ends up in the car with Gerard and he takes off his handcuffs. And he's like, I thought you didn't care, you know. And he's like, well, just don't tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, they drive off. Yeah, I mean it's it's like the it's the Casablanca ending. It's a very simple. Yeah, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship, or not? Maybe the car crashes and Kimball's like, "I'm out of here." No way, way! I found you're you're innocent. I must be a fugitive. He runs <laughs> off. He goes back to the hospital. Steals that man's breakfast again. He just like keeps this. It's like memento. He has to he's, keep it going. It's like a Twilight Zone loop. No, it's it's like he's addicted to being a fugitive. He's like, I dye my hair no. in, a, in a nasty bathroom. This this character is not addicted to that. This character is... He's a, he's a thrill seeker. Oh, the part, He's an adrenaline junkie. The line that I, I hate, like, I love it, but I hate it. It was when, like, he yells, like, he stole everything from me. You know, after he, you know, his wife dies. I think it's more at the beginning. But, like, you really get the sense that no this guy doesn't want this he doesn't want adrenaline he doesn't he just wants his wife back well we but we also don't know what he's like i mean we only see him at work and we see him at home and he's got this burly beard and ford at the time 
like not only did he have this beard, but he, Ford appeared on an episode of the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, and he played Indiana Jones, and he did it with the burly beard. It was wild because he had, it's one of the only times he'd ever played Indiana Jones outside of the movies. And it was bizarre to see him with his fugitive beard playing Indiana Jones with the hat and everything. I, I think the beard was a smart choice because it is, it is a real stark contrast. I mean, he looks so different without it. What do you think of the Ford beard? Oh, I mean, I like Harrison Ford with any hairstyle, any facial hair. I think he's great. Do you like him bald? He's done. I don't he did think a movie I've ever seen bald. him bald. He did a movie with one of the Hemsworth brothers. It was called Paranoia. It's terrible. And he was bald in that movie. Bald with glasses, so he looked like the Monopoly mm. man. I don't know. But I even like him on, like, 1923. I like, you know, I like him in, like, he's great in everything. Yeah, yeah, no, I can't. It's hard to think of a bad Harrison Ford performance. He's fantastic in this. Um, you know, I think Jones got most of the acting glory for this, but I mean, I think this is one of Ford's best performances. Uh, he humanizes this character. He's It's devastating. And it's interesting to watch a character who is broken and he's lost so much, but he's also so driven and he's intelligent and he's, you know, he's someone who's uh, searching for the truth and he does it in a very analytical way. Yeah, yeah, I dig this guy. I definitely think it's Ford's movie because you and I tried to watch the sequel to this, U.S. Marshals. Well, you know, leave it to Warner Brothers. Like, okay, we're going to do a sequel to The Fugitive about the second most interesting character in The Fugitive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, we only made it an hour in because it was late and I I couldn't stay up. And then, and then we wanted to finish it the next day and it's not on HBO Max anymore. Yeah, it's gone. So, so like, oh man, this is like how millennials watch movies. Like, I got to get out my disc. Sure enough, I don't have the DVD of U.S. Marshals, so I got to go find it now. That's crazy. But, but I was Every like in-house, this... Outhouse, doghouse. I was like, this story is almost identical. It's completely identical. Yeah. Like the way that like even like the... The way he becomes a fugitive. Yeah. It's not a train crash. It's a plane crash. Yeah. There is... I won't say what it is because it's one of the best parts of the movie, but there is the equivalent of of the fugitive jumping off the cliff. There's that. Yeah. Like they kind of took all the like famous set pieces and like redid them, but just with Wesley Snipes. And Wesley Snipes and strangely Robert Downey Jr., and there's a lot of product placements for Starbucks coffee. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. we'll finish it. I want to do an episode. We'll, we on will it finish it's, it. But, it's pretty. It's pretty wild. But I was like, oh, this just makes me like the Fugitive even more. You know, I really liked U.S. Marshals the first time I saw it. I really did, and I still think it's pretty compelling. Um, but it's it's not as good as the Fugitive. Although I remember the first time I saw it, I thought this is as good as the Fugitive. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not. I saw it with my mom, and we were again my mother. Who's also trying to still trying to she I'm like, Mom, what did that thing mean about the string up little girls? Oh, Barry, it's talking about um, you know, how like when you use strings and ukulele, you know, you you used <laughs> guitar strings. Oh, that's what it meant. Okay, that's good, mom, because you know, I still thought it meant something really bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so would you change anything about the fugitive? I think they should probably have lingered on the fact that he might have murdered his wife because I do feel like oh. a little longer because I feel the setup is really strong and mm-hmm. horrifying. Yeah, we kind of find out he's innocent really quick. Well, once we see that he's grappling with the one-armed man, then it's like, okay, this is what he said. We, this yeah. is what he said. We didn't see it before. Right. So I think once that's the case, like, okay, you know, but, and you know, look, I get it. I mean, the movie's already long and it's a very eventful film. A lot of stuff happens. So I get it. But I mean, that was one of the things that appealed to me about Presumed Innocent. I like that movie a lot. And it's because you don't know until the very ending if Harrison Ford's character is innocent or not. And for me, it's always interesting when you take for, I mean, you know, it's, this is not by Ford's choice. It's just his career has gone incredibly well, but he's one of the most iconic movie stars ever. And when you take someone like that and you put him in a position where he's playing a character who is dark and certainly like, you know, suspected of murdering his wife, I think that's fascinating. It puts the audience in a really interesting position. It's like how, how much is our goodwill towards this actor, you know, going to dictate whether we're going to follow him or not. So like, like I, like I told you, like, I'm serious about this. If Kimmel if, if Kimball actually murdered his wife, I think I'd still root for him on some level. No. You can't. Then you have to root for the Tommy Lee Jones character. Okay, well, tell you what. Here is my alternate ending, okay? And I'm okay. serious as a heart attack about this, okay? Okay. Serious. It's corny, but I would embrace it. 
Turns out, end of the film, Tommy Lee Jones says, you're not going to believe that you just, this is the best day of your life. We just got a phone call. Guess who just woke up out of a coma? Helen? His wife. Oh. I would totally have embraced that. It's cheesy and improbable because she got her brains bashed in. But I, you know, the fact that Celia Ward, even in just a few minutes, is vivid. What if they were like, you know what? It was experimental, but we gave her some Provasic and it worked. She's she's alive. And just so you know, Dr. Kimmel, um, she's very amorous. <laughs> so just be careful, okay? <laughs> Yeah, that is like a male fantasy for a movie ending. <laughs> She's alive, and she really wants to be alone with you right now, if you know what we mean. Oh so just be careful. Here, here's we're, a hoping few extra... we're hoping there's no long-term liver damage, but... <laughs> You're welcome. Here, let me give you some more Provasic pills. You're welcome, Dr. Kimball. <laughs> wow, so you would, like, bring her back. I mean, it, you know, it's it's... <laughs> Cheesy, cheesy, but like I, I wouldn't. Okay, but wouldn't if she was in it. a coma, so at the end of the okay. movie, he's got his, he's got his freedom, and he's got the truth. But what else does he got? Okay, but if is she, he going to go back to surgery? No, listen. If she was in a coma, they wouldn't have convicted him to the death penalty. Yeah, she wouldn't be dead yet. So then you don't have a movie. So how are you bringing her back? For putting your wife in a coma, we're going to give you twenty years. No, I mean no. If she was in a coma, then like they don't firing squad. No, they just wait. Like nothing's <laughs> happening. There's no waiting in this movie, Joel. This movie oh is my like gosh. on its feet. Yeah, your your alternate ending. I'm giving it an F for not being plausible at all. I'm trying to think like the player. How would Griffin Mill change the end of this movie? And that's what he would do. <laughs> that's what he would do. Yeah, this is this is the player way of changing this ending. Okay, well, I don't have any better ideas, so you know. Or you just do another movie where Tommy Lee Jones is chasing a different dude. <laughs> and you call it U.S. Marshals? Yeah. Oh, okay. Or, you know, better title for that sequel, The Tugitive. Oh, oh yeah. The Fugitive and The Tugitive. That's terrible. Yeah. No. No, no, no. You just, like, lost major points for that one. Or... It's two guys, so it's fugitives. Oh, oh. Yeah. so then it's a buddy, yeah. a buddy one. Yeah, yeah. Make it a buddy comedy. So who would be wacky? So it'd be like it's a comedy now. Yeah. So it's Wesley Snipes and he's handcuffed to Rick Moranis. <laughs> yeah, I watched that. <laughs> oh, I don't think we should jump. Jump. <laughs> fugitives. Oh my gosh, no, no, Jones, no. Snipes, and Moranis. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you have any... <laughs> You're so disgusted right now. Do you have any... So, well, what star rating would you give this movie? Oh, um, I give it three and a half stars. That's what um, I give and it maybe, to. Yeah. I mean, it's almost a four star for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah, the director, Andy Davis, I like him a lot, even though he has no sense of style at all. He's point and shoot. That's You're right. These movies it's are... not stylish. No, not at all. I mean, when they're running even like through the aqueducts, you know, it's like it's 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 straightforward storytelling. And he tried to recapture this a few times. The movie he did right after The Fugitive, um, it's an action movie called Chain Reaction. Did you ever see that? It's Keanu Reeves and Morgan Freeman. I think so. It's, it's supposed to be... I mean, it's, they try to make it The Fugitive with Keanu Reeves. It doesn't quite work, although it's kind of a guilty pleasure for me. And then he did the infamous Arnold Schwarzenegger film, Collateral Damage, mm. which is not The Fugitive with Arnold, but that was also the intention of that movie. That's the movie where Arnold walks into a television studio with a baseball bat, and he breaks everything. He's like, and this is collateral damage, and this is collateral damage, and this is collateral damage, and that is collateral damage. <laughs> it's really not good. I revisited it again recently. I'm like, man, this guy once made The Fugitive. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, great film. Holds up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, yeah, again, it's long-form storytelling that's, you know, whittled down to two hours. It doesn't feel it. I suspect there's a lot missing. It doesn't feel like there's anything missing. Tonally, it's perfect. It's like really fleet on its foot storytelling. It's a it's a perfect summer movie. It is. It's a smart film. It's an engrossing film. It's emotionally involving, and um, yeah, it shows how on the run. There's nothing better than you know making um, you know a, a, an egg salad sandwich that you steal from a hospital patient. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, so do you have any other final thoughts? I want a third film. You want a third film? Yeah. What would you what what is it? I want um Gerard to chase Kimball now when they're in their eighties. <laughs> what they're like walkers and stuff? Oh definitely. <laughs> I wasn't gonna go that far, but yeah, I think it's a great idea. They're like they <laughs> They chase each other like in a Walmart where they're in, both in like little like carts, like those those automated carts. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't steal that coupon. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> it's the shortest movie ever. <laughs> no. Okay. no, no, no. I mean, all, in all seriousness, no. I mean, they probably shouldn't have made a sequel to The Fugitive. That was probably a mistake. I don't know. Like, I feel like people know how to make sequels now because it's like, let's honor the first film, let's capture the feel of the first movie. The thing about U.S. Marshals yeah, or is, prequels. I mean, sure, exactly, yeah. or remakes. Yeah, and it's the thing about U.S. Marshals. Like, I like the movie, even though it's not perfect or great. I do enjoy U.S. Marshals, but like, it's a very different movie. And the fact that they never mention Richard Kimball, because at least with the Die Hard movies, it's like you're the Nakatomi Building guy. Like they always mention mm-hmm. that in the Die Hard sequels. And you know, like if anything defines Sam Gerard, it's the fact that he caught this guy and it turns out he was innocent. They never mention that in US Marshals, spoiler. And they should. Mm. They should. You're right. All right. Well I think that that covers it. Unless you have anything else. I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, I'm good. All right. All right. Well, that. Oh, no. Okay. Well, that concludes our discussion of The Fugitive. Good night, everyone.